AM 570 KLAC, 987 KYSR HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app. AM 570. An LA sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All American. USC's Rodney Pete. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney, Rodney Pete. Pete. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. All right, let's go to the Big Friday show. Fred Rogan, Rodney Pete on AM570 LA Sports. Boy, we got a ton of stuff to get to. Glad you're here with us today. Uh, on the Friday show, if you have something to say, we invite you to say it. We invite you to call now. We always ask that you're fascinating if you call. And then if you are fascinating and you can get past Kevin, we'll put you on. Few people accomplish that goal on Friday. Few people call. Yeah. Some call. Yeah. But you got to be fascinating. We just can't have you jump on. You've got to have something to say on the Friday show. <laughs> you've got to you've got to enlighten all of our lives, make us feel better. Share something, something. good to say, yeah. not just willy-nilly rants that don't mean anything. Right. Because you want cousin Bobby to hear you on the radio. Exactly. If you have something to say, by all means, say it. But don't say it now because Kevin has all the lines blocked. So nobody can call. <laughs> Again, we should have discussed this before we started. Well, you know, par for the course. Yeah, right? we should have had a conversation. Uh, also, don't forget, we are now a week away from our show at Hollywood Park. October Excited? 14th. Yeah. Oh, baby. Now, I'm going to say this, and say I'm it. just going to put it out there. Say it. Say it. We're telling you every day about it because we want you to be there. We have Dodger playoff tickets to give away. We have Charger Wait, Broncos Wait, why are you looking at away. Kevin while you say this? Are you double-checking? When Fred starts saying, I want to say this now, I start turning around. What I is know. it? What do you want to say? What is it? What's want, the curveball? No, there's no curveball. Here's what I'm going to say. We're going to go down there, and we're going to do a show. We have one special guest confirmed. Yes. Right? And we're working on a second. Correct. And we're going to be giving all these tickets away. That is true. We're going to have a party. It could be a, 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 a Dodger watch party. Mm-hmm. Because the Dodgers will be on the road. We're having a Dodger watch party? They will be on the road that day. They'll be either in New York or in San Diego. So we're going to have TVs. Yep. We are. You can drink. There's food. There's everything. But I'm just saying this. We want you to show up. We want you to come down and be at the show. We do not want the bus to come and take all the people away and then we're sitting there by ourselves. Please. Please, no. We've been Don't leave it that. up to the buses. Yeah, we've been through that. The people waiting to listen to the show were excited. Then a bus comes, they get on the bus, and they leave. God knows where they go. I'm not even sure they're from this country. <laughs> That's always been a problem with us down there. Is so, a language barrier for Yeah, there's a language barrier. We do have people at the Hollywood Park shows. I'm not even sure they understand what we're saying. That's true. That's, so That's a fact. Yeah. So we want you to come down and be a part of it, just like we did at the BJ shows that were completely... Off the rails, sold out, no seats. Come on down next Friday, noon to three. We've got tickets. We've got tickets. And you can be a Plural tickets. Oh, yeah, we do. Like I say, a handful, maybe more. What is the definition of that? What is your definition of that? (laughs) What is your definition of a handful or maybe more? (laughs) So we are, we're going to be ready to go next Friday. So please come on down. Yeah. Because we're not going down there if oh. nobody shows up. You hear, you hear Fred? You hear it in his voice. Please come on down. I'm serious. We we love having people at those shows. 
Hollywood Park, sometimes a heavy lift. So come on down. <laughs> be, be a part, Kevin. You're laughing. You're uh, laughing. You know he, that's true. Are you selling it? Is he selling it, Kevin? Is he selling it well? Pretty well to me. <laughs> Tell you what. It, it is not an exclusive gathering. Come down and be a part of it. We invite you to do so. Uh, I don't know what what people thought was going to happen in Denver with Russell Wilson this year. I just don't know. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you one thing. We called it before the season started. Well, yeah, we, we had did. our doubts. Oh, please. And we let it be known. But, yeah, before it even started. I, I, we don't get it. But then they hired the new coach, Nathaniel Hackett. And bo- th- this has just been an unmitigated disaster. They played the Colts last night. If you didn't see it, consider yourself lucky. On the other hand, if you didn't see it, you missed some stuff. You missed stuff like two Bronco receivers running into each other, both catching the ball and dropping it. You missed receivers colliding with a back judge during the game. You missed that. You missed guys wide open, the ball being thrown 15 feet over their head. You missed that as well. I mean, it was really just a tough, long game to watch. It was so bad that Al Michaels, during the broadcast, actually said this. But sometimes a game can be, at least at this point, so bad, it's almost good. You know what I'm saying? No. And that was Kirk Herbstreit. No. 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 Those poor guys. They're, no, they're no, trying. No. They're trying to make it. They were trying to make it entertaining. They really were. And... Just like we just showed it, because Al was searching. Sometimes, you know, a game can be so bad that it's actually good. No. (laughs) No. No. That's a stretch, Al. I love Al, but that was a stretch. Okay. Oh, God, it was bad football. So the game goes into overtime. The game goes into overtime, and uh, Indianapolis kicks a field goal. So now Denver is either got to tie the game with a field goal, score a touchdown, and win. Yes. Or that's the end of it. Right? That's the end of it. Ta- wait, they have a chance to score a touchdown and win. Kick a field goal a and field, tie and keep, tie, playing. keep playing until the time runs out. Right. Or that's the end of it. Or that's the end of it. Yeah. All right. So there's like three minutes left in the game. Three minutes and change. The Broncos have the ball deep in Indianapolis's area of the field, and you're looking at the Broncos, now it's like fourth and one. Okay, three minutes and change left. Three minutes and change, yes. All right, you're thinking, God, this has been a terrible game. Terrible game. Terrible game. And we know the Broncos have just really stunk up the joint. Yes. Win or lose, they've been bad in all their games. Bad, bad. So you're thinking to yourself. What's the score at this point, Freddie? uh, It's a three-point game. Yes. Three-point game. I'm thinking. Three-point who? uh, Indianapolis up by three. Right. So I'm thinking, you know what? Paint that picture for those that didn't see. Right. Kick a field goal. Kick a field goal. Tie the game. You got three minutes left. Let's see what happens. Worst case. Let's see what happens. Cold score, you lose. Uh, You stop them, you get the ball, you have a chance to win. Kick a field goal. Nope. No, no, no. We're going to go for it. We're not kicking any field goal. It's fourth and one. We're going to go for it. Okay. Russell Wilson drops back. By the way, they're not going to run to pick up the first down. They are... Give it to Marzahn Lynch! They're going for it. Okay. Right. He drops back. He looks. Sadly, he does not look to the right. Because if he looks to the right, there is a guy so wide open. 
No one is near him. Yes. Somehow there is a, a mistake in the coverage. This guy is wide open. There is no one within six yards of this guy. Just throw him the ball and you win. Instead, he tries a different approach. He throws the ball directly into the middle of the end zone where it's batted down and the Broncos lose. So that brings up a couple of points. First, you didn't see the guy that's wide open. But perhaps the biggest question is you were yelling Marshawn Lynch. It's fourth and one. Why don't we just pick up the first down here? Well, at least that's what Richard Sherman thought after the game. On the final play, you got to run the ball again. Like, I, I mean, I wish I had Marshawn up here. Like, one yard. You need one yard. Run the ball. Run, what? Run the ball. Hey, CT. He's triggered. All he has He's to triggered. do is run the football. Like, <laughs> necessary criticism. I'm not, you know, I've said enough criticism for him, but God dang it, run the dang ball. Like, Learn from your mistakes. I don't. Can somebody fill me in? What is he yeah. referring to? I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> Have you been in this situation before? Run I, the I, ball! <laughs> yeah, they didn't run the ball. I, run the ball! No, that's what they should have done. They should have run the ball. I, run the ball! <laughs> exactly. But they didn't run the ball. You yeah. wouldn't fire a first-year yeah. coach four games in, would you? Uh, no, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Although, um, it, it 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 really can't. Well, I shouldn't say it can't because it can't get much uglier than this, can it? Can it? Actually, I doubt that. It really can't. There's only way, one way to go now, and that's because it's been pretty bad. I mean, it's been ugly, to to say the least. And I don't think with because remember this it's new ownership there too, right? So. Do they want in their first year of owning the Broncos and then a first-year head coach bring him in and fire him halfway through the season or less than halfway through the season? I don't know. I don't know if they want to do that just from a prideful standpoint. Um, But he does look like he is way, way over his skis in terms of being a head coach in this league. And... Like, he's not ready for it. And not all coordinators are. There are coordinators out there that are born. Sean McVay was born to be a head coach at some point. He knew it was going to happen. Shanahan, born to be a head coach at some point, knew it was going to happen. Not all of them are, are like that. Daniel Hackett, and, and it's still I, I just because he had success in Green Bay, well, he had success with Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people going to have success with Aaron Rodgers. And there are a lot of coordinators got jobs because – they coached with someone, a great player, or they were in a great system. Look at all the Rams coaches out there that went to other places. Some of them did well. Some of them, mm. And then you look at the Patriots coaches. I don't think there's one of them that's really been successful leaving Bill Belichick. Right. So not everybody can be a head coach after being a coordinator. But this is bad, and this is bad in Denver, especially when you when you put all your eggs into the quarterback bucket and go get the guy you want and pay him all of that money and leave in Seattle. And the word in the offseason was, you heard it, Fred, just like I did. We're a quarterback away. This team is only a quarter. So many people, people that I respect when they talk about football, were saying this team was a quarterback away. You and I said no. We said it from the beginning. Because I'd never believed that Denver was a quarterback away from being a championship team. And they're a lot more than that. But when your quarterback's not playing well either, then you're a long way away from being a championship team. 
It's pretty it, bad. It, it is ugly. It, it, is, it is downright ugly and embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You cringe. Now you cringe when the Broncos are playing. You know? It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And and it's hard to feel, I guess, bad for Russell Wilson because he's, he's not playing well, you know? And the rah-rah, let's go Broncos stuff don't only go so far. I could see, I could just feel Richard Sherman going back to the Seattle days of, you know, because they had beef. The defense and Russell Wilson, not everybody got along with Russell. And he's a certain type of guy, and not everybody uh, kind of enjoys uh, being around and in his company. I'll put it that way. Um, so you could just feel Richard Sherman kind of brought back to those days in Seattle. Like, see, I was trying to tell everybody about about old Russ. You know? Run the ball! <laughs> he's a different, different guy. Um, but, you know, you, you wonder how long that rah-rah, all good, Go Bronx is gonna is gonna last. And you don't sit your corny ass down and <laughs> roll into the middle of the field with a wide open receiver. I heard somebody in the locker room saying yes, that. Yes, yes. You know they're saying yes, that. hundred percent. How could 100%. he miss a guy that wide open? Oh God. how could he miss a guy that wide open? The funny part, you tell me, Rodney, it looked like the same play they ran in the Super Bowl, except the D B jumped it. This time the yeah. DB left the guy by Let himself. Him wide open. Yeah. He didn't make the read this yeah, time. Yeah, he didn't. And I don't know. Sometimes you get caught up into a rut, and I think Russ is doing this every single game and almost every snap where he's trying to do too much. He's trying to make the biggest play of his life every single play. And it's just not there. Just make the play. Don't try to take a a 10-yard completion and hope that it's going to be a touchdown of 80 yards every time you take the snap. And he is just overthinking everything right now. He's playing like a rookie. He really is. He's playing like a rookie that is not sure of himself, not sure of the offense, and not playing with a whole lot of confidence. And he's not doing the things that made him great when he was in Seattle, meaning playing with instincts, running around, running, making plays with his legs. He can still do that. We saw in the San Francisco game, which was another ugly game earlier this season, where in that last drive, he went back to vintage Russell Wilson, where he made three or four plays with his legs, got first downs, made some throws outside the pocket, scrambled around. He is and feels like he's hesitant to do that right now. Like he's got, I got to prove everyone, I'm going to sit in the pocket and and go 40 from 50 and be a pocket passer now. It feels like that's the way he's playing. All right, Vinny Bonsignor is going to jump on here, bottom of the hour. We'll get more into it and set up uh, Rams and Chargers this weekend. Now, Dodger fans, baseball playoffs underway. Uh, Cardinals and Phils are underway. Game one, we saw uh, Cleveland defeat Tampa Bay. I know Dodger fans, it's been a great year, 111 wins. We talked about it, something to be proud of. Everybody enjoyed the ride. But now it's a new ball game. The playoffs begin. This is what the team was built for. On paper, people thought they would be here, and they are. And I've said it a million times, Rodney, it is very rare for what happens on paper to play out in real life. On paper, boy, they should be good. They were. On paper, they should be the best. Well, they were. That's highly unusual. So we're in uncharted waters here. And as the playoffs begin, if you were to be honest with yourself as a Dodger fan, you probably believe, uh uh-oh, uh-oh. You know, boy, that was a great regular season, but everybody's a little nervous. Everybody's a little concerned now because it's a new ball game. 
And then you look at the team, and then you can sit here honestly if we chose to and rip it to shreds. Despite winning 111 games, we could rip it to shreds. But I would ask you to consider this as we go through the weekend and then get started on Tuesday. There's one thing about the Dodgers that we have seen in the postseason. Hasn't always worked the way it's supposed to. But there's one thing they do have, and they have a bit of magic. If we're to be honest, Max Muncy had a bad year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Am I being fair? Oh, 100%. Okay. under 200 and just struggled most of the season. Okay. Do you want Max Muncy on your team in the playoffs? Yes. Okay. If I'm to be fair and honest, Cody Bellinger was a disaster. Is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. Struggle. Being kind. Big time. Being kind. Yes. Is it fair to say that Cody Bellinger has come up with enormous hits in the playoffs, sort of magic? 100%. Okay. Can we say that even before he got hurt, Chris Taylor was having, for Chris Taylor, a bad year? Yes. We can say that. Yes, he was. Is it also safe to say that in the playoffs, Chris Taylor has come up with some enormously large hits. Yes, absolutely. So when you have your apprehension and your concern, and that's normal because you're invested, you're a fan. If it was the Premier League, you would be a supporter. And if you know what Premier League soccer is and and the clubs over there, you know how passionate the fans are about them. That's who you are. If you are a Dodger fan, you are exceptionally passionate about your franchise. And by the way, the organization knows that. And that's why they commit the resources they do to put on a winning product for you every year. They get it. They know your passion. They know how important the club is to you. So as you have your doubts and your concerns and you want to sit and pick it apart, I would only ask you to remember the magic, the magic that occurs for certain players during the playoffs. Justin Turner. That guy's magic in the playoffs. And he's had a great second half. Look at the roster. Look at the players. I can't speak to Joey Gallo. We just got here. Trace Thompson has been magic during the regular season. Yes. So as the club has gone, the top three or four hitters have gone. Because really, the rest of the guys have struggled at points. Yes. Don't be surprised to see some magic out of those guys are in you, these playoffs. Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure, but are, are you trying to convince yourself? Are you nervous? It sounds like you're trying to convince yourself that everything's going to be all right. I believe everything's <laughs> going to be all right. I do. But, you know, I because we do this every day, and because people know we do this every day, Usually, wherever we go, people talk to us about this that we do every day. Yes. And the major topic is always the Dodgers. And I've talked to some people, and it got me to thinking that they're concerned. They're worried. They Are don't... you concerned? No. No. I'm good. Not at all. I'm good. Are... Really? I'm good. It sounded like concern when you were running down that magical season with magical guys. That There were some concerns uh, in your voice, Fred, about what's going on. No, I... I no? Not I, at all? I'm good. Okay, I, does this season feel like seasons past as Dodgers have gone into the playoffs where you 
And there's been a few of them. Um, I, I go back to 17, I guess, when, you know, when they were making the, the, the runs to the World Series and they went to three of them and um, felt pretty good about all of them. Do you feel as confident going into this postseason as you've done? Have you felt in the past? Here's what I feel confident about, and here's my concern. But I feel good overall. But here's what I'm really confident about. I could be proven wrong here. I feel really good about the pitching. I do, mm-hmm. and I know. Is Dustin May going to be there? We're not sure. Gonsolin, how effective will he be? There's no Bueller. I feel very confident in Tyler Anderson pitching. Well, he doesn't throw hard. He's not going to strike a lot of guys out. This could be a problem. It's a different game in the playoffs. I feel very confident with him pitching. I feel very confident with Julio pitching. And I feel very confident with Kershaw pitching. I feel confident in the pitching staff. I have confidence in the bullpen as well. feel very comfortable with the bullpen. So pitching is a concern in people's mind. because Even the back end of the bullpen. Even the closing situation. Yeah, because the closing situation will do by committee. So you're confident with that? I'm confident. I'm good with the pitching. My only concern, and that's why I talked about the magic of certain players, Trey Turner slumped a little bit. Mm -hmm. He hasn't hit the ball as well. And history will tell us, as good as he is, and he is really good, he's had some problems hitting in the playoffs. Okay, that's in the back Mm -hmm. of my mind. Mm -hmm. But I think, okay, the balance comes from Bellinger's going to get the hit now. Muncy's going to get the hit now. Taylor will get the hit now. So that'll cancel each other out. That's a concern for me. Trey hitting in the playoffs. Freddie Freeman will be fine. Mookie will get on base. I think Will Smith will be fine. I think Justin Turner will be a star. His Uh second half has been phenomenal. It really has. And he shines in big moments. I think he'll be fine. I think Gavin Lux is going to hit the ball. So if I just look at everything, I'm confident. I'm not as apprehensive or worried as I've been in the past. Another issue could be they won so many games and basically blew everybody out so early. We got to see him tested a little bit too. Uh You know, we got to see him tested now. Uh Mm-hmm. And do you want to see them tested in the playoffs? You don't want to see them like, okay, it's going to take us a couple of games to get going. Because you, you could be down 0-2. You don't want to be that that team. Okay, uh, we got out in front. We won the division. We got our seating. We got all that in place. As we saw against those last few games against Colorado, it was get me out of here. Get me to the end of the season so we can just get ready for the for the postseason. Um and nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody's good. And I and please don't. Please do not. However, this starts out in this series that they're about to play, whoever they play, and whether it starts out great or it starts out a little sh- you know, a little shaky, please don't come back and say, I, I knew it. I knew because they didn't play well at the end of the season against Colorado. They didn't, they didn't, uh, Dave Roberts didn't play all his guys. They kind of coasted at the end of the season. It affected him. There's no right answer. There's no right answer how they played those last six games against Colorado. Uh, and they didn't play well. They didn't offensively. They didn't hit the ball. Um, but it doesn't have any bearing on what's going to happen once the playoff starts. It's a whole new season, whole new ball game. I will say that um, 
I because the Dodgers won 111 games in a fashion that I feel was more businesslike this year. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like they were dominant. It wasn't a dominant 111 win season, right? Like there, there were times last they were just blowing people out in years past where it was just ten runs a game, eight runs, this home run after home run, just bomb after bomb, and this and that shutout after shutout, and just blowing and just overmatched everyone they played. And it doesn't feel that way with this this season and 111 wins. It feels like they they went about it. It was business like they won some games three two. They won. They lost some games three two. It was they didn't really dominate people. Like, I guess you wanted them to. And, like, you feel like they should have. But maybe, just maybe. And that's okay. No, but you know what? Just maybe for that very reason, you should have more confidence. Because they take care of their business in a business-like manner. They know what mm-hmm. they have to do. They know the objective. Yeah. And they get the job done. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Get the job done. And maybe it was that business-like approach that should give people confidence as they will be a bit apprehensive as things begin. Yeah. I mean, it could very well be because we kept waiting all season long, right, for everybody to get, you know, during the season, there were a couple guys were hot and then most of the roster was cold. And then there was a period of time where, okay, some guys started to heat up a little bit. Boy, if we can get them all, get four or five of these guys heating up at the same time, it's a difficult roster. It happened for a little stretch, but I don't think consistently all through the season that we saw that dominant offensive roster show itself for a, a length of time throughout the season. We've seen it, but not for an extended length of time. We're like, okay, this, these, these guys are dominating. Who, whoever pitches, these guys are dominating everybody. We hadn't seen that. We've seen it in glimpses and in games and in series from time to time. But over an extended period of time, it just doesn't feel like we've seen that yet. And maybe you're right. Maybe it's it's all been bottled up and waiting for this moment to to really let everyone see what we see on paper to come out on the field. Okay, in the Friday show, we are off and running. Benny Bonsignor joins us next. A little more on that terrific game between the Broncos and the Colts. Also, we've got the Chargers taking on the Browns this weekend, the Rams against the Cowboys. That should be an interesting game. Very interesting. So we'll talk about that. And later this hour, Aaron Judge's 60-second home run ball, caught by an investment banker in the stands in New York. There's a company here in Tustin working with a client that has offered that man $2 million for the ball. The owner of that company will come on and explain. That's coming up later. If you missed any of Rogan and Rodney, you can podcast it on the iHeartRadio app. Rogan and Rodney. AM 570 LA Sports. I got this feeling on the summer day when you were gone. I crashed my car into the bridge. I watched I let it burn. I threw your stuff into a bag. Oh, yeah. It's Friday. You know what? I don't care. No, we don't. Rodney Pete, Fred Rogan on a Friday. We do not care. We do not care. One iota one bit now one don't. you know what we don't care ryan i don't know what this tweet is to uh at rogan and rodney is fred okay jesus christ well, did i seem like i lost my mind i tell everybody to calm down everything's fine yeah yeah i don't know 
It, 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 does that mean I lost my mind? Maybe you're trying. To, uh, maybe it sounded like you're trying to convince yourself. Oh, maybe. Did that? Did it sound that way to you? A little bit. No, I'm good. I'm good. No, <laughs> I'm fine. I don't think there's anything to be concerned about. I think as because this is the time where people are going to start getting concerned. Of course. Focus on the positives. Look at history. Look at the performances of guys when it really matters, and everything is going to be good. I'm telling you. You can write that down in ink. Yeah, it's just everybody's been really good, right? And I think that it hasn't been just a full-on domination. Whether Kershaw's been really good. Julio's been really good. It's, it's been lowest ERA, ERA in the league. Um, Gonson was good. Hopefully he gets back and gets some innings in. Tyler Anderson, as you mentioned, has been good. Um, Freddie Freeman, good, steady, all year long. Mookie is Mookie. 35, 36, whatever he ended up with, home run, just hitting in the high two, 200s. Very good. Trey Turner, slumped lately, but just steady all season long. 100 RBIs just along with Freddie Freeman. All great numbers and great stuff, but I think we're spoiled because we want to see that dominance. Right. We want to see domination. Yep. And it really wasn't dominant. It was very good, yeah. but not dominant. Right. Business. Yeah. Just yes. taking care of business. Business. And they will continue to do so next week. By the way, the uh, Phillies and Cardinals are now in the fifth. No score in that game. That game yeah. is flying. It is. It started at 11 o'clock, didn't it? No, uh, later. Later than that? I thought so. No, I thought it started about 11 o'clock, 11.15. Mm. Either way, it's moving pretty quickly. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. No score, bottom of the fifth. Okay. Let's bring out our NFL insider and our buddy Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny, good afternoon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are we? We're doing You're great. Uh, hey, just off the top, real quick, what is what's going to happen with the Broncos? Good Lord, that's just <laughs> really bad last night. Terrible. Um, and we were talking about this earlier this week. Yep. Um, is it Russell Wilson, you know, on the other side of the slope? Is it how he's being used? still think it's kind of uh, uh, both, but like Rodney, last on fourth and one, don't you roll him out or do something where <laughs> the ball could be in his hands where he could make a play either with his arm or his legs. They just kind of you know took that away from him by dropping him back and let him sit back there in close quarters. I, I didn't like the play call whatsoever. Didn't like the play call or if, or how about just run the football, get the first down and keep it yeah. moving. Um, but yeah, at least give him a run pass option where he can just run for it or not. Um, and they played coverage. There was no really, you know, well, he he, he was slow in decision-making because if the guy was open, yep. then it got off of him, and he wasn't open after that, and then he tried to force it. So it, it was it was ugly. Vinny, it looks like he's playing like a rookie right now. It really is. And, and he's, got a, he's got a head coach that's not helping him. No, not at all. And the interception, um, you know, <laughs> You, you get that they, they you know they, they go for the touchdown throw it they, it's an interception um, you know all you had to do was get a first down they didn't have any timeouts uh, the Colts at that point all you had to do was get the first down and you could probably run it out or run it all the way down and then kick a I, I just the, the play calling the execution um, the whole thing doesn't look good at all at all all right let's move now to the games coming up uh, Rams and Cowboys. Let me ask you a question, and I, I don't know if this is blasphemous to suggest. Jared Goff isn't having a terrible year. I mean, the Lions are better, but they're the Lions. In some regards, is he outplaying Matthew Stafford this year? 
Well, he is right now. It feels like it. And, um, you know, uh, the, the, the Lions are our good friend, the former college scouting director of the Rams, Brad Holmes, is the general manager. I'm so happy for him because I know he was a huge part of all that talent that you see. You know, Les Snead, obviously, uh, making the big decisions. But, but he always gave credit to Brad Holmes and, and Brad's staff for the talent that the Rams accumulated over the years. Now he's over in Detroit, and I feel like this about Jared Goff. If you put good players around him, he's already shown what he can do. He's taken a team to the Super Bowl, helped take a team to the Super Bowl. It wasn't just him, uh, obviously. Um, won a division championship, won a couple of division championships. Been to the playoffs three years. So he's more than capable of quarterbacking a team with good talent uh, to the ultimate game. So I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for uh, Jared, to be honest with you. I'm rooting for him, too, but it's hard to take him isolated like this and his Jared Goff play, out playing Matthew Stafford right. at this point. They're on two different teams playing two different two different schedules. Um, but when you do look at the, the, the Rams, Vinny, there are a bunch of glaring um, issues that they have, and it's not just not just the offensive line, but they're, they're, their lack of a pass rush right now is affecting them as well. The lack of a pass rush, the lack of a target outside of Cooper Cup. Yeah, uh, where is Allen Robinson? Um, that just looks like uh, you know the offense feels like it's, move, it's 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 playing with one arm tied behind its back right now, and they keep promising to get Allen Robinson more involved. They keep promising that the run game uh, is going to get better, but you know nothing's really happening on, on that front. And then you're like you said, defensively, it's really just you know Aaron Donald getting the push, his doing his job. Uh, but um, you know, everywhere else, it's kind of a it's kind of a struggle. It's just a struggle right now for the Rams. And you know, part of it is just they've lost so many good players uh, over the years, defensively, offensively. It's tough to keep all that together. Um, you know, they keep trying, and and they're doing everything they that they can to do that. I would not be surprised if there's a big move coming at some point um, to try to add something to it. But yeah, it's a struggle right now, and I don't want to use the old. Uh, you know, Super Bowl hangover. I, I just think it's more of a kind of a of, of where they are talent wise right now, um, and some and obviously some injuries as well. Well, yeah, the Cowboys have have looked pretty good with Cooper Rush a quarterback, and the Rams have figured out a way to scratch out wins. One of them is an imposter. Which team will be identified as the imposter after this weekend, Vinny? Oh, good one. Um, I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be the imposter. I think, uh, although our good friend Marcellus Wiley did bring up a good point, is is Cooper Cup or Cooper Rush going to do uh, to Dak Prescott what Dak Prescott did to Tony Romo? Took his job. I mean, you know, you can't can't rule it out. We'll see. I don't think that's going to happen. But how how crazy would that be if if Dak Prescott, you know, got Dak Prescotted, which is what he did to Tony Romo? Tony Romo was hurt. Remember. And Prescott came in and, and took the job. So is that going to happen with Cooper Rush? You never know uh, in Dallas. They do. Uh, they operate a little bit differently. But I think the imposter is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Dallas is still a long way away. I, and I, I do believe the Rams at some point are going to get this thing figured out and turned around, especially with, like you mentioned, find a way to get Allen Robinson involved. And if they can't get him involved, um, something's coming down the pike that's going to help them, you know, offensively. Uh, but they just look—they look totally uh, out of sorts right now. Um, what about the Chargers going into well, Cleveland? Uh, Rodney, go ahead. I, I was going to say real quick. You know this, Rodney. If you can't block it, you're—you're. You're, it's not nothing's going to work. 
And we all know offensive coordinators will, will always say, hey, this play, this play looks great. That play looks great. Oh, that looks really good. But, Coach, we can't block it. So you might as well just take it out of the playbook. Until the Rams can show they can block up front um, on a consistent basis, it's going to be a struggle offense. I don't think... care how many Allen Robinson. Yeah. But part but... of it sometimes, you know, as, as, and I know this as a quarterback and watching quarterbacks, you get locked in on certain guys. And the, the season that Cooper Cup had last year – um, and, and it being a comfort blanket for, for Matthew Stafford, you get, especially when things aren't going great for you, you kind of get caught into a trap of focusing on that particular guy more often than not and excluding some other guys on your team. And I think a part of that is happening a little bit to Matthew Stafford. Regardless of the play or them trying to get the ball to Allen Robinson, um, sometimes as quarterback, if he's not open right away, I'm getting off him. I'm going to find Cooper Cup. And I think that's happening to him. Without, yeah, without question. And and you know, uh, to take it a little step further, when you're when you're kind of feeling the heat like he is in terms of the pass rush, you're gonna you're gonna default to the guy that you know is going to be there um, and and keep going there uh, because I just don't feel he's comfortable right now. And you know, that game uh, on Monday night is a perfect example. He was under duress the entire game, and I know. You know, quarterback in the NFL, you have to be able to play under those circumstances, but not to that extent. You have to be able to protect him once in a while when he drops back, and it just feels like he's feeling that pressure a little bit and going to um, the you know Mr. Reliable and Cooper Cup uh, at the exclusion of us of some other guys. Okay, Vinny, let's quickly switch over. Uh, Chargers at the Browns. Uh, how do you see this one? I think the Chargers win this game. Uh, they're the better team. They got the better quarterback. I granted, uh, got to see how healthy um, you know uh, uh, the quarterback looks and Justin Herbert looks and, and uh, whether he's going to hold up. Uh, there's a that's a pretty good defense that he's getting ready to play against in the Cleveland Browns. They put pressure on the quarterback. Um, he's to me one hit away from uh oh, uh, you know might have to call the backup in, and that's that's the challenge right now facing the Chargers in terms of pre- protecting their quarterback because. That guy gets hit in the wrong way uh, at the wrong time, um, and he's out of the game, literally. So they got to be careful with that. But if they could keep uh, Justin protected, I think that I think the, the 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 Chargers win that game. All right, Vinny, great stuff. Appreciate you jumping on as always. You have a terrific weekend. All right, guys, enjoy the football games. You got it. Hey, don't miss an exclusive interview with Max Muncy tonight with Dodger insider David Massey on Dodger Talk starting at 7. It's brought to you by First 5 California, dedicated to ensuring every child in California has the best possible start in life. All right, next up, the man who wants to buy Aaron Judge's 60-second home run ball. He's offering $2 million, and he'll join us. And now another Rogan and Rodney. Afternoon delight. Uh, lately, I've been living my life. I don't pay to hate nobody. Doing better things in my time. Yeah. Elevated to a new high. Yes, it's Never Friday. And today, Afternoon Delight yeah. is Better Things by Sierra. This Summer Walker-assisted track debuted last weekend is likely to appear on the 36-year-old's eighth studio album, which is set to be released at the end of the year. In a statement about the song, she called the track a feel-good R&B anthem for elevating every aspect of your life that's meant to bring joy 
while inspiring continuous evolution of oneself. Again, today's afternoon delight is Better Things by Sierra featuring Summer Walker. An afternoon delight is brought to you by Rusnak Westlake Ports, the all-new Ports Westlake with more cars in stock than ever, now open just for you. Rodney Aaron Judge hit a 60-second home run ball. It was historic, and it's worth an awful lot of money. Yes, it is. One man wants to spend $2 million to buy the ball right now. Who that man is? Well, that man, we don't know who that man is. But we know the man that the man talked to to try to facilitate the deal. Okay. That man is J.P. Cohen, president of Memory Lane Incorporated in Tustin. J.P., thanks for jumping on. Thanks for having me on. Okay, we're fascinated by this. Uh, Aaron Judge hit a 60-second homer, and uh, you have a collector that has come to you and said, make a $2 million offer. I want to buy the ball. So you reached out to the person, Corey Yeomans, who caught the ball. Have you heard back from him? Unfortunately, have not heard back as of today. I, I do anticipate we will, but as of right now, we have not heard from. Okay, so let me get this straight. So you have a a broker that contacted you to go track no, down I the ball, or you or yeah, you have but, a client that is trying to track yeah. down the ball. That's exactly it. well. What happened was I have a a, a Yankee fan uh, historian uh, collector that's uh, I've worked with for probably 20 years now. Uh, my company is Memory Lane. We specialize in high-end sports collectibles and memorabilia. And basically, uh, about a week prior to the record, we actually put that bounty on the ball um, a few you know, a few days before he even actually uh, hit, hit the home run. So it was out there, um, and that kind of got a buzz going for people wanting to get the ball. And then this gentleman got it, and uh, as of like today, we have not heard from him, but we definitely are still willing to pay that that bounty on it. And the bounty is two million dollars. How did uh, how did your collector come to that decision? Well, you know, it, it's not an easy thing. There's no comps or anything that you can put on a ball like that, but it is a modern day piece of history, and. We specialize in unique game-used items, and we've sold plenty of them in the seven-figure range. A lot of the stuff we sell is very vintage, like Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle, those type of players. And we'll sell their. I've, I've sold a Babe Ruth game-used bat from the '30s for um, a couple million dollars. So um, it, it wasn't easy to put the number on it, but we we put a number on it that we felt was above what the market probably would bear for the ball uh, and to get attention so that we have a good chance of getting that person, whoever catches it to call us and sell it to us. You know, it wasn't uh, about getting value to this client of mine. It was about owning the ball. And then his goal is to share Like I said, he's a Yankee historian. There's so much history with this record um, being that Babe Ruth hit it in 1927. And then it carried on till Roger Maris in 61 where Maris and Mano competed for the home run uh, record that year, and um, Maris came on top and, and beat Ruth's record. And now here we are, you know, 60 years later, and, and Judge, another Yankee, has is, is accomplished an amazing uh, record. So No, it is amazing. Uh, uh, you, you say your client, and now are most people um, 
historians like like your client is or some of them are collectors or is it just a variety of different people that just hey i've got money to spend this would be pretty cool or are they mainly guys that are that are in the business of collecting items like this you know it's it's interesting that the demographic is is vast you know majority of the people we deal with are very passionate so over two million dollars this client if I got a call the next day and someone says, I'll give you 10 million for it, he would not sell it. Ah. Um, that's how passionate this client is about the item or the collectible. He, he loves the, the, the sport. He loves collecting and that's his true passion. Now there is people that, that do it to buy it, to hopefully be able to make some money in the future. And that's another, you know, type of a collector, but majority of people we deal with are just passionate, love of the game type um, collector. So it's a lot of fun when we can achieve accomplishing getting somebody something that they want or would love to add to their collection. So in the case of this gentleman, he, um, he has such a big collection. He has a, a museum in his house, and he also shares his stuff with different uh, museums. In fact, he'll loan stuff to Cooperstown or loan stuff to the Yankee Museum. Very put out there that if the Yankees Museum would like to next year during next year's season, we would be happy to loan the ball for their museum to share with their fans. So um, that's the beauty of when you have something special, you can go out and share it with the collecting world or, or the fan world. J.P. Cohen is the president of Memory Lane in Tustin. He's trying to get that Aaron Judge ball for his client. J.P., here's a question. Uh, how do we know somebody just didn't hand you any ball? And say, well, this is the one he hit. How can you authenticate that? Yeah, you know, that's that's a good good question. Well, it's nice that Major League Baseball takes these these records real serious. And w- when they um, started to, you know, see that Aaron Judge was on on track to possibly break Roger Maris's record, they started um, uh, identifying the baseballs that were put into play. So before the ball was handed to a pitcher. To pitch for the game, they they have ways of marking the ball with um, ink, um, and you know being able to identify that is the ball that was used on that home run. So, um, a lot of the stuff nowadays are authenticated first by Major League Baseball. They they'll put a sticker on it after after a home run or a hit is made on a on a bat. Uh, they'll put a sticker or uh, hidden ink on a baseball and that's basically what has transpired with this baseball it has some special markings on it that identifies it as the ball that was used to pitch to judge who in turn hit the 60 second home run so um and then of course you know with all the attention uh the security card you know immediately took the guy that caught the ball out and the ball was on his glove and i don't know if they took pictures after that or what they do uh, in the back there but um, it definitely will be able to be authenticated easily uh, uh, once that uh, gentleman comes forward with it to sell it or or just keep it for himself. Um, I'm I'm curious how how much you mentioned Major League Baseball authenticates the balls before as they records kind of get someone gets close to a particular record they start to uh, mark them. Um, how much do they get involved afterwards? Like for instance, reaching out to this person just like you did. Um, either to find him, and then on top of that, what is the consideration of possibly giving the ball back to Aaron Judge? Has his camp, or would his camp, 
uh, contact this person who has the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think Major League Baseball gets involved just to make sure that the piece of history, the the, the you know the artifact is is possibly um, authenticated. Maybe the person that catches it will or or gets it will give it to the museum in Cooperstown, or possibly reach out to the player that obviously I'm sure would love to have the the baseball, like Aaron Judge has already said, he would love to have this baseball. So I'm sure they're all in contact. You know, maybe maybe uh, this Corey who caught the ball is now, you know, considering uh, doing something with Aaron Judge. Maybe Aaron Judge is going to give him some memorabilia back in trade or or maybe he's just going to give it to him. And I think the guy that caught the 60 home run ball just gave it back to Aaron Judge, you know. So there's people out there that will do that, but – but the amount of money that we're talking about here, I, I would assume Aaron Judge would, would understand somebody that has this ball would, would want to try to capitalize on that. Um, but maybe there's some way to work it out with Aaron Judge and his people where they, they give him some memorabilia or they do a trade or something. So um, that's always a possibility. J.P. Cohn, President Memory Lane in Tustin. Good luck on your quest. Let us know what yeah, happens. I appreciate it. I definitely will call you guys and let you know. Rogan and Rodney. AM 570. LA Sports. LA Sports. LA Sports. Hey, make sure you uh, log on to our Instagram at AM 570 LA Sports for your chance to win a $200 gift card to Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. You'll get that gift card. Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. One hour down when we come back. Ned Coletti will join the show. Tomorrow, the undefeated 18th-ranked Bruins are back in the Rose Bowl playing host to the 11th-ranked Utah Utes. Countdown to kickoff begins at 10 a.m. right here on the home of the Bruins. Undefeated! AM 570 LA Sports.